Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Women in Influencer Marketing Podcast. If you are new here, big, warm, giant welcome. I'm super excited to have you. And for those of you who tune in every single week, y'all are the best. You have my heart. This week's guest is incredible. I just got finished having our conversation with her. Her name is Colleen Stoffer of Creative Juice, and I am so excited for you to hear from her. She has such good energy. So I'm going to keep this intro short, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention not just one, but the two events that we have going on in March. So I want to make sure that they are on your radar. All you have to do is go to our website, iamwim.com. That's I-A-M-W-I-I-M.com slash events. We'll link it in the show notes below to see everything that we have coming up. But March is jam-packed. We have one mid-month, which is our hiring fair, our job fair, which is so good. It's the way to we humanize a job board. The last ones we've done were hugely successful. So many people hired and we're doing it again. So that's the one event. And then the second event we have is another repeat event, our best in influencer tech event. So we have been producing this. I think this is our sixth time doing it. And I'm just obsessed with influencer marketing, but also tech. And it's cool to see that you guys enjoy it too. (laughs) So we have some awesome, awesome companies that are going to be demoing their products this month. Well, I guess this is airing in February. So next month in March, I look forward to you guys going. Both events are completely free, but of course, as members, you get some extra perks. So check out our website, iamwim.com slash events. And I really hope to see you guys at both of them. But today I'm so stoked to introduce you to Colleen Stoffer of Creative Juice. So she is the head of marketing and communications. In her role, she oversees brand strategy, product marketing, including acquisition and retention to help creators grow their businesses, you guys. That's like the entire premise of their company. It's so interesting. So prior to Juice, Colleen was the global head of creator marketing at Pinterest. That's where she oversaw campaign planning, strategy, and execution to tell stories that drive inspiration for creators. She's also served as global brand director at Clorox, where she oversaw digital media for the suite of Clorox brands including Brita, Burt's Bees, and Hidden Valley. They're all part of the same umbrella of companies. She is a Chicago native, and she got her start working in the Windy City for a number of ad agencies, including Kramer Kressel, Edelman, and Critical Mass. In her spare time, she enjoys exploring the Bay Area, which is where she's based now with her husband. And you guys, she is a corgi. Uncle, 
It's so cute. Anyways, guys, I really hope you enjoy this episode. It's a really, really good one. So um, enjoy. I'm just so excited to welcome you, Colleen, today. I've been like excited about having this chat with you. So first and foremost, welcome and how's it going? Thank you. I know it's so good to chat with you. I've been really excited about this too. So while we're coast to coast, it will be fun to connect. From the East Coast to the West Coast, because you're based in San Francisco. We were chatting a little bit about that before we started recording, but I think sort of like your story is probably like a really awesome place to start. I mean, professionally, you went from Edelman to Clorox to Pinterest, and now you're at this awesome company, Creative Juice. What was it about Creative Juice that made you take a chance on working at a startup after having been at some very established companies prior? Yeah. So, you know, what you don't see on like my LinkedIn, on my resume is obviously I've worked for some really big, iconic brands. You know, Clarks has been around for hundreds of years or hundred years. So they have such rich stories, but the thing that I always found within these big companies was who's the brand or where's the team that needed to be built or was just starting. So, you know, at Clorox, I worked on the Brita business. I also worked on the Burt's Bees business, by the way, that's like a dirty little secret. People don't know that Clorox owns Burt's Bees. They keep it that way because you don't really want to think about bleach when you think about your, you know, lip balm. But I always found the team that was small or just starting out. And that's really been my mindset my whole career. It's like, where can I find the small but mighty team and help them grow and help them build? And so, you know, I'd been at Clorox for a while. I think a CPG is one of the best ways to become a world-class marketer, because if you can, you know, market a trash bag or market, you know, a bottle of bleach, you can pretty much market anything. And then I went to Pinterest and at Pinterest, you know, we had always focused on bloggers. That's exactly how the company started. But of course, as Instagram and other platforms came on the scene, you know, the word influencer and creator really started to become a thing and people stopped creating their own website and just, you know, wanted to build their audience on the platform. And so, you know, I'd been at Pinterest for a year at that point. I went to my boss, the CMO, she's still the CMO there now. And I said, we really need to start a creator team. So myself, the two co-founders of Pinterest and a product lead and a partnerships lead, we pretty much just got in a room and we said, all right, let's build this creator team from the ground up. And we thought, okay, what's the product we need to build? How are we going to market it? Who's the perfect creator audience for Pinterest at this time? And so, you know, I built that team from my boss at the time was like, I'll give you one person. I'm like, fine. And when I left, I had 70 people globally. So I've always been this builder. And while I've been surrounded by a, a bigger company with had some like a little bit of training wheels, right? You had the support and resources. You know, when Seema, our CEO and co-founder of Juice reached out, I thought, okay, this is the time. Like I rip off the training wheels. I don't need to work for a big company anymore. I've been, I've been having this like entrepreneurial building spirit in my heart my whole career. And now it's time for me to truly build something from the ground up with limited resources. So 
took the leap a year ago. I left, you know, Pinterest dream job. I've been a pinner my, you know, past 10, 11 years. And um, that was a moment where I was like, I'm definitely a little scared to do this, but I think that's a good thing. And I'll talk about that later too with some of my advice. It's like run towards something you're a little bit afraid of or gives you a little bit of anxiety because honestly, it's probably the right thing to run to. So sort of going to ask about that a little bit. Like, you know, you talk about that leap, right? And I'm sure so many people can resonate with like that moment where they're between two opportunities or there's like a moment where they can take the leap or not. Like, I think it would be awesome to hear from you about that decision, like what it really felt like and just some of the like behind the scenes, like realities of it all and feelings of when you got to the other side. Yeah. And so it's a great question. And to set the scene a little bit, I was in Chicago, which is my hometown. My husband and I both grew up there. I was in there the month of December 2021. We were there for the full month. You know, we were like, okay, let's just go for the month. See, our family was kind of, well, the end of the pandemic and everyone got COVID. So (laughs) I had been talking to Seema, our CEO and co-founder for a few months at this point, right? Because this is a huge decision to leave like a very stable job, a job that I had like moved up in the ranks for, you know, four years. I had helped take that company public. I had loved my team. They were like my babies. I handpicked every single one of them to come. My husband, he owns his own company. He had started his own company. So it was pretty insane to think, am I going to quit my job? We were in lockdown in his mom's condo in downtown Chicago, me, him and his mom. And I woke up one morning, I said, I'm going to quit my job today. (laughs) And I'm going to accept this job at Juice. I'm going to call Seema after and say, I'm doing it. Let's do it. But it was a lot of thought, a lot of conversations with, you know, fellow women. I have three sisters. They're all pretty badass in their own right. They work all in very different industries than marketing and creators, but they really helped me say, why not? Right? Like there's no better time than to do it now than ever, because guess what? You can always go back or go somewhere bigger. If it doesn't work out at this point in your career, you're pretty marketable. You know, I've learned a lot. We'll talk about confidence later on because I can tell you, I definitely have never had the confidence that I have now just being a female in marketing and tech. And so it definitely was a lot of debate, a lot of pros and cons. And ultimately I'm like, life is too short. I got to do it. And guess what? Like if it doesn't work out, I'll find another job. I'll figure it out. And if you have that attitude, then it just makes the decision feel a little bit easier, even though there's definitely that nervousness within there. And I'm very lucky. I have a very supportive husband. You say that he's like my number one and maybe only fan. So <laughs> he lo- he's like, you're a badass. So you go do it. You know? He, so I think just like having that support system, having great sisters, having amazing women that I've worked with through my entire career, And that's really the attitude I've always taken, like take the jump and don't look back. And if it doesn't work, you will definitely figure it out. You know, we, I did that when we moved to San Francisco eight years ago and I'm like, we can always move back to Chicago. Like that's always an option. God forbid we have to like move back with my parents (laughs) or something. But I think if you have like that mindset, it's slightly easier to take a big leap. So 
I love that you shared all of that. I just think it's refreshing to hear the realities of what it is to make such a huge decision. And, and everybody's journey is so different, right? You talked about like, you know, you've climbed the ladder and you've worked so hard to, you know, get to the top of Pinterest and work at some of these incredibly successful, well-known companies. But it seems as if there was still, you know, you get to that point and then what, right? It's like the plight of high achieving people. So I would love to just dive into creative juice a little bit more because I want to know like, all of that really excited you about this. So tell me a little bit about Creative Juice and also like just how you guys are so unique. Yeah. Yeah. So Seema, our CEO and co-founder, which yes, she's a she, like that is badass in its own right, right? She's a CEO in tech, in fintech, which sadly that is unique, but hopefully we can all change that. The more women that become leaders, you know, the better this world will be. We all believe that. So that in its own situation is unique. But, you know, for people that don't know, of course, Juice is, you know, we're a creator community. We provide funding, banking, and business tools for creators. So, you know, one of the big problems I uncovered when I was at Pinterest is that, you know, creators haven't really started to see themselves as the next generation of small businesses. And so, when Seema and I started talking, she said, hey, we're building this thing. It's going to be hard because, by the way, nobody's done this before. So it's a category-defining product. And I think as a marketer, you're a little bit of a glutton for punishment. You're like, yes, I want that. I want to build something from the ground up that's never been built. And on top of that, there's no... There's no proxy. There's no thing that you're like, oh, we're this and this. I'm like, we're like Chase Business Banking plus SoFi plus, you know, a little bit of like a community network plus QuickBook, you know, so it, there's no like, oh, we're just like them, right? Which is awesome. So, you know, there was really three main things that drove me to Juice. Um, number one was, again, SEMA as like a very experienced fintech founder and Ezra, our other co-founder, he's really experienced in the creator space. So really that yin and yang of not only having fintech experience, but having creator experience really gave me the confidence that, hey, these people know what they're doing and they're going to be amazing leaders to learn from as well. The other really? thing was, you know, we're solving a problem that nobody has solved before, which I love that. I'm a problem solver. I'm a builder. And so being really able to give creators the mechanism to run a business and acknowledge that they are a business. And, you know, there's not always like the sexy side of running the business, right? When it's like, oh, I got to balance my checkbook or I got to, you know, get funding because my income's a little bit clunky from brand deals or my AdSense isn't coming in the way it used to be, or I have to do my taxes and I have no idea how to do them as a creator because by the way, the IRS doesn't either. <laughs> they don't give you that guidance of how to be a creator and how to do your taxes. So number two was like being able to solve this problem, a new problem and build a brand and build a team from the ground up was extremely exciting. And then, you know, another big reason was really who we're focused on. So there are a lot of tools out there, again, like nobody's doing the all-in-one solution, but a lot of them are really focused on that top 1% of creator. And if we're really going to grow this influencer creator economy, we need to focus on the up-and-comers, right? So whether you're just starting to make, you know, your first 5K or just starting or still doing a side hustle and making a little bit of money, 
you're still a business, right? You still need to like separate that income and figure out, you know, how you're really going to get time back in your life to do this passion, to do this side hustle. And so that was exciting for me too, is, you know, not only focusing on up and coming creators, but also really focus on underrepresented communities. That's huge and core to our value. You know, we, we've built a really diverse team and we're also really focusing on ensuring at least 50% of our creators are from underrepresented groups. So again, like these communities that haven't always gotten the financial advice or financial attention. And, you know, we go to creator events and still some of them are full of men and communities on my team. Sometimes we always cringe. We're like, oh, we need more women, but we're building it and it's going well and working. That was kind of the perfect recipe for me to say, oh yes, I'm taking this job and I'm going to make Juice a success and, and not only make Juice a success, but really help creators and help them, you know, become that next gen of small businesses. I mean, I appreciate the hell out of so much that you just said, right? Like a lot of people are constantly preaching about like, they want to help creators and they want to be there for creators and support creators and all that. But I mean, honestly, there's like very few instances that I see where to me, it feels meaningful enough. So, you know, providing them funding, providing them educational resources and, you know, beyond like, you know, 10 bucks here and there from like an Instagram bonus or a YouTube bonus. Like, is that really helping? I mean, Oh, I, I have so many opinions, but anyways, I think that, <laughs> I like, that I think sometime, <laughs> maybe off record. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we can get into them now. I think a lot of people who listen to our show regularly know my opinions, but basically like, uh, you know, I just overall think that teaching women and uh, so many creators are women, a huge majority are Things like financial literacy and how to run their own businesses is a really incredibly powerful thing because too often people don't give enough credit to creators about their power and all that they've built. And, you know, it's downplayed way, way, way too often. But it sounds like what you guys are doing is not only just like uplifting them, it's so far beyond that. It's really empowering them and giving them like the juice. Yeah, the juice, exactly. You See, the branding. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like the juice to be able to run their businesses like a boss. So I freaking love that. I would love to talk also about just like specific stories. I always like getting as specific as possible. So yeah. some people hopefully go like check out your site and like maybe they've heard about you guys. I'm sure a lot of them have about you know, what you do, but I want to hear sort of like some success yeah. stories, like interesting stories where you've actually helped by funding a creator, like what that's helped unlock or achieve. Can you tell us some stories about success yes. that you've had? <laughs> I would love to. And honestly, this is probably like one of your favorite parts of your job too. It's, you know, why we're kind of all in this influencer creator economy. It's like, these people are so passionate, like you just get so much energy from them. And you all have so many unique stories. There's one of our creators, Growth Joe. She's a fitness YouTuber. When she started with us, she had definitely had less than a million subscribers on YouTube. 
because of our funding, she now has more than 4 million. And I'll tell you why that is. So she, you know, took our funding. We were like, okay, what are you going to use it for? She was like, I need to separate my work and my life. I need a studio I can go rent so I can live my life, be with my family and just be like a great mom and partner but then go to a studio and be this amazing, you know, fitness creator that's inspiring new moms, women post pandemic, you know, anyone to just like get off their couch, do these 15, 20, you know, hour plus workouts. And so that like excited me so much because like giving her this ability to have that separation in her life and grow her business. And now it's, you know, booming. She's going to start doing some like cool events, like, in real life workouts. She's obviously grown her subscriber base. She's now able to charge more money to brands. And she also can like live her life in her home and not also see it as unfortunately the way most of us do, which is also a place of work. So she's a really cool example. And obviously everyone should subscribe to her. And then the other one I want to mention is, you know, something that we should all be talking about more as women, but Hannah Williams. I think her handle Salary Transparent Street. She goes around the country and interviews people. She interviews men and women, but I think the women she interviews are most interesting because you see the hesitation. She talks about salaries and she talks about what's your job, what's your salary, what's the equity, do you get insurance, and really trying to make it not such a faux pas out there you know, that category didn't exist. And so, you know, she was starting to, you know, create her business and get a pretty big following and make money. And then she'd go into like a traditional bank and they like, what you talk on the internet about money. I don't get it. You know? And so we were like, come, we'll help you. We'll give you these tools. You can go travel around the country, continue to talk about, you know, money being such a taboo topic, but getting people to really start to share you know, income, negotiation, et cetera. So those are just like two pretty cool examples of women doing their thing, being able to, you know, grow their businesses because, because of us. That's so cool. (laughs) Like just a couple. No, those are freaking awesome. Those are really, really (laughs) cool examples. And like, I just couldn't imagine from their perspective, like being like, you know, someone believes in my mission so much that they're going to invest in me and like help me grow this thing. So mm-hmm. I could also just think from their perspective, like, you know, how that opened up so many doors for them. I think that's incredible. I also think it's interesting, you know, we're talking about like, we're a very female dominated industry and there's something really, really special about that. It's very rare that you see that in other industries. Yeah. And I think that like, marketing yourself as a female brand can be like a really complex thing and something that certainly takes a lot of thought. So what are some innovative ways to market yourself as a female brand, whether you're like a traditional influencer, like the ones you just mentioned, or an entrepreneur, maybe like your CEO or yourself and, you know, What are some things that women listening should keep in mind? Yeah. So one, first and foremost, I say always have a point of view, right? And be yourself. And I know that sounds like cliche, but, you know, I think that's why this like entrepreneurial, the creator economy, everything going on right now is so hot and so interesting. It's because there's space for everyone, right? Like me and you could both be food creators, but we probably have a different take on it. And we'd both be able to 
grow an amazing audience. And we'd also be able to talk to each other about like swapping secrets, et cetera. So I'd say no matter, you know, what industry you're in, you're like, have that point of view and really don't give that up and don't be afraid to be yourself. It's hard to not like see someone out there and see a trend and say, Oh, I want to be like that. It's like, no, no, no. Like do your thing. It's way more powerful and people will love that. I also always say like always upsell yourself, right? So as a creator, if you're working with a brand or if you're an entrepreneur and you're going to pitch and get money from a VC, you know, really think about that value that you provide. And by the way, Juice is definitely guilty of this because we're a startup. So I will give us a pass, but you know, a lot of brands will say like, Oh, Hey, we just want to do a test with you. We want to do a few posts, et cetera. You know, and that's fine, obviously, in some cases, but I think see that as that opportunity to ups- upsell yourself and really think about, oh, hey, I can provide way more value if we do more content because, you know, you own that data, you own that insight, X, Y, Z, you can help that way. The other big thing I always say, which is definitely a marketer's dream is as a creator influencer, if it's a product or a brand that you use every day, do not be afraid to DM them. I mean, this works through and through, I promise you. If you're like, oh, I love Skims or I love Whole Foods or any brand really, DM them because what brand doesn't want someone reaching out to them and saying, I literally use your product every day. I can show you a different use case for how to do it that you probably haven't thought of and it's probably going to sell because I have a super engaged audience. So I'd say, don't be afraid to do that and, and pitch those ideas. Right. I think that's another huge thing is like, give the brand ideas, tell them how you would do it. You're so like insular as a marketer sometimes. And that's a big thing I tell my team. I'm like, get out in the world, see what the competitors are doing. Yeah. We're, we're not even close to like Gucci. We're in a totally different realm, but like, look at their creative. Their creative is amazing. Like what if Juice took a page out of Gucci's playbook and they're creative? So I'm always thinking about, okay, how can you really think about that brand, connect those dots and sell yourself in like a unique way and give an idea to a brand that, you know, they definitely have not thought about. So I'm excited for people to DM me now and I want to hear all their ideas. So as you guys know, the social media landscape is constantly changing. And with over 50 million creators out there relying on traditional agencies or manually discovering and managing talent can be both ineffective and time consuming, drastically reducing the overall impact of your campaigns. To unlock the full potential of your influencer marketing campaigns, you need a smarter and a more effective way to discover all types of creators to accelerate the customer journey. You guys need to know about Maverick. It's the industry's trusted influencer marketing management platform, transforming the way enterprise consumer brands search and partner with the right creators, manage and scale their programs, and measure campaign effectiveness and ROI. I want you guys to check them out. Tell them that I sent you. Just head to maverick.co. That's M-A-V-R-C-K.co. They're an awesome company to partner with. No, I love that so much. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something really powerful in just staying in your own lane, you know, like finding where you are like nobody else and then just like owning that so Mm -hmm. much. I love that so much. I think that's great, great, great advice. So Female creators outnumber men by two to one. I looked up that stat. 
And while women dominate deal flow in past years, I saw a stat that men are still earning 30% more on average, which was really surprising to me for a variety of reasons. Why do you think that is? But most importantly, like, how do we get that right? Yeah, I know. It, it is like a little bit depressing when you see those stats. You're like, why? Are, how are we still there? I talked about that example, Hannah's salary transparency, but I, you know, money is still such a taboo topic. You know, I encourage everyone, even if you find like one female in your life, it doesn't even matter what industry they're in, what age they are, what, you know, find that person that you can talk money with and you really trust and you both can share secrets. Cause I think that's the only way we're going to be able to get better and better at this and really like, again, upsell ourselves, show our full value, show brands that, you know, yeah, I have a small audience, but they're way more engaged than a big audience sometimes. Right. So I think that's a big thing, right? Money's taboo. I also think, you know, by the way, I'm guilty of this. Women second guess themselves, right? So when you're in that moment of negotiation and someone's telling you, oh no, this is what you're worth. Sometimes you're like, wait, am I? And by the way, a man would never do that. So as much as you can, like, even if you have to write a post-it on your laptop or a note in your phone or whatever, just say like, where would I be? And what would I be doing without this thought? Like, do not second guess yourself because by the way, like men negotiate all day long and you should too. Right. And then I think a lot of it too, is like, you know, that relationship building, right. Which is like, can be a double-edged sword. So relationships are so important in work, but sometimes let's say you're working with a brand and you've been working with them for like a year and you're like, Oh, but I love the people at the brand. But I think at some point you've got to know when to walk away. you got to say, okay, they're not paying me anymore what I deserve. They're not willing to negotiate. So like, it's just not worth your time and your money. And by the way, there's probably another brand that would want you or another company that would want you, et cetera. So, you know, it's really about knowing your value, being able to, you know, be confident and manage, you know, that time, that worth, and also just really think about, you know, your consistency and your rates and negotiation too. I mean, that's fantastic advice. I think that a lot of creators and managers too, they're like, I want to find my worth. I want to know my value, but like, how do I actually do that? You know, especially creators starting out where they just don't have many examples of other brand partnerships because, I have a slightly controversial opinion that I just think people are worth what others will pay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's especially like in when you're quantifying art, which is a lot of this is an artistry and you're trying to say like, what is that worth? It's really what other people will pay. So you just need a lot of data to be able to come to an average or a range of some sort. And then, of course, there's a lot of other variables like usage or exclusivity and things like that in order to determine what you want to charge. But I think broadly your point is like really spot on, um, which is just like just generally like not second guessing yourself, not lowballing yourself or making excuses for why you shouldn't get paid more. You know, I think it's really interesting how 
you were talking earlier about your own career path and your own trajectory. And, you know, you get a title increase or a financial increase, but creators don't have that, right? right? So it's like interesting to think about how do they progress in their own career? How do they continue to grow professionally? And, you know, increasing rates is only one of those ways. I think like diversifying revenue streams, obviously growing your audience so that that alone opens up so many other doors. But I don't know, it's just interesting to think about, and I've never really thought about it before, which is just like, how do they progress in their own careers? Yeah, it is like a little bit art, a little bit science, right? So you obviously want to look at, you know, your followers, your engagement, you know, all that good stuff. But then there is a little bit gut to it of the art where you're like, like you said, like the number one, you're an artist, this content you're putting on the world is you it's IP, right? It's pretty valuable. And I think if you're just starting out sometimes, and I know this kind of sounds crazy, but like, think of like a number in your head and be a little bit of, does that feel right to me? Or do I still kind of have like a pit in my stomach if I'm like lowballing myself? Right. And so sometimes that is a good way to start. You're like, okay, I got to look at the science, look at the data. And then what just feels right to you. And that's where you start. And then by the way, like don't ever lower that bar. So like, as you increase and you see more data on one side, then continue to think about what feels right to you from increasing your rates too on a different side. And by the way, you could totally structure your entire, you know, content journey and career and make your own milestones. I think that would be interesting. Maybe we could create that together where we're like, okay, this is like, the career path of a creator. And it's a little bit of like a question discussion guide of how you determine when you're moving up per se. And I love that so much. I think it, it applies to creators. It applies to professional or influencer marketers. It applies to everybody where, you know, you have your own professional journey. And I think that, oh gosh, I've I can go on about this forever, but I feel like that's something that's perhaps missing from a lot of academia. Like we get degrees and it's very rare. Even let's say you get a marketing degree. They just tell you like a handful of possible roles that you could fill. But like who knew that like, you know, you could study marketing and do like hundreds of different jobs. There's so many different paths and that's just one degree. So I think that's so fascinating to think from a creator's perspective, all the different possibilities for them and maybe like a insightful, like, all right, do you enjoy this? Do you not enjoy that? Like, where do you see yourself? You know, I don't know. Just like, yeah, like a adventure. I love that. That's so interesting. What a cool idea. We're going to talk about that after. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So speaking more about just like creator businesses, I always like to get as real on this show as humanly possible. We'll talk about all the successes and, you know, things that we're doing right. But I also think that it's important to talk about areas that aren't working so that we can improve them and fix them and just do better. What aspects of creator businesses do you think are being the most neglected? Like where are the most opportunities for creators? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. Of course, this is like a savvy podcast. You're 
you know, a boss in your own right. So even the word creator businesses, like I'm not even sure that's like widely known yet when you put creator and business together. Right. So obviously that's like a big problem we're solving at Juice is, you know, we talk to creators every day and they say, oh yeah, I have, you know, 10, 20 tabs open of managing my business or managing my income or, and by the way, I don't know what I'm doing, or I put my money in like PayPal, or it's still in a personal checking account. And again, it's not the sexy side of business, right? It's not like you're like winning an award or you're getting, you know, all this praise and feedback from your community, but it is what's going to help you grow and succeed. And, you know, if you have a side hustle, turning it into that full-time thing. So it's the tools, right? Those are neglected. There's not education out there on how to run a business as a creator. And, you know, you could definitely Google, you know, small business basics and say, oh yeah, I'm a small business. But again, it's just in a slightly different format than it is for this profession, for this creator economy. And so obviously that's why we started Juice, right? It's, (laughs) we really found this opportunity of like, okay, creators have inconsistent income, you know, brands are paying creators 90 days late. They're chasing brand payments. Like that's super annoying. I will candidly say I've been on an old company brand side where we definitely didn't pay a creator on time because, you know, it's just AP departments are slow and old, et cetera. And ultimately like that falls on that creator. I talked to a creator the other day said, you know, I created this content six months ago and I got paid. I almost like didn't care anymore because like once I hit publish on that content for that brand, I wanted to get paid immediately. Right. It's kind of like that dopamine hit. And so that payment structure is neglected. Them running their business with the right tools is neglected and education out there is being neglected, you know? So hopefully we can all solve this together. I think that's like this exciting moment. It is a little bit all of ours to lose in helping this new creator economy. You know, you see Amex had their big, and they still do, right? Small Business Saturday. I'm like, can we like all as an industry or even like Jews could do like, you know, creator business every day, right? Like you could literally go online and shop from all these amazing creators. And so the more that we acknowledge the business side of it, the better, you know, everyone else will be and they can have more time on their hands too. I want a list of like creator businesses that I can shop from, you know, like, oh my even gosh. Just, like yes, there's so many. I got to send them to you too. <laughs> <laughs> I love small business Saturday. I'm way more enthused to do that than, you know, what is the day before it's black Friday, right? right. Like I'm very pro small business. So I love the idea of that, but you know, even just knowing about them and oh gosh, I don't know. I just want to give creators so much credit because there are so many ways that they could drive business and Mm -hmm. so many different opportunities. And it's just like a lot of it's experimentation to see what works because of the lack of resources and education that you said. So in terms of, you know, your journey though, I think a lot of women watching this episode would really admire the path that you take in, you know, looking at you on paper, like so impressive. And it's just been really lovely, like getting to know you a bit. And I have a feeling that a lot of women in our organization will also love to get in touch with you. But before I ask for how they can do that, what's some of the best career advice that you've been given that you would love to pass along to our audience of influencer marketers? 
Absolutely. So one we kind of talked about earlier, but, you know, run towards something that scares you or challenges you a little bit. You know, early on in my career, I remember, you know, you'd, read, you'd be like, OK, I'm going to look for a job, read the job description, be like, two to three years. And then it'd be like 10, you know, bullets of qualifications. And I'd say, oh, I, I don't check all of them. So I can't apply for this job. Again, a man would never do that. Like <laughs> if you check like two of them, by the way, if you know some of it, you can learn all of it. Like women are so resourceful. I never had worked in fintech before. And now I can tell you what you should look out for when you do lending, how to do your taxes, how to you know manage invoices, inflow outflow of cash. So I would say like run towards something that challenges you and scares you a little bit because, you know, if you have that learning growth mindset and you're a woman, you're going to shine because we're all very resourceful and, and you will figure it out. I promise. Another big thing is, and I don't know if anyone ever told me this, but it was something that I've started to tell people. It's, you know, I really learned how to lead and manage from my worst managers. Now, <laughs> you know, I became who I am today because of terrible managers and leaders. And I know that sounds crazy, but, you know, of course, I've had great mentors, amazing bosses along the way. But I was able to actually, like, fine tune my skills as a manager and leader because of the bad ones I've had, right? So my philosophy is like, you know, I have really high standards, but I always let my team just fly and do their thing, right? Like I hired you, so I immediately trust you. You don't have to earn my trust. I've seen that a lot from managers who like, you don't earn my trust. I'm like, no, I hired you. Of course I trust you. It's yours to lose, right? And so really being able to build that culture on your team of, trust of empathy of communication because i think like the negativity sticks out in your head more when you think about oh, who have my managers been along the way and then i immediately think about like kind of the bad ones that i've had and so i think okay i'm not gonna be a micromanager i'm always gonna come from a good place like you know good intent versus saying oh i don't trust them why wouldn't i trust them i hired them of course i trust them so that's the other one and then i think the third one is you know don't be afraid to ask for help like I'm always willing to lend like at least 15 minutes to anyone I meet. I met this girl, this event in Miami a few months ago. She was an engineer. She wants to recreate to marketing. She's like, can I reach out to you? We talked to her. Of course. Like we chatted for 20 minutes. I gave her some advice and, you know, I'm sure we'll keep in touch, but I think like, don't be afraid to ask for help. But of course, within that, you know, make sure your, your ask is clear and you're really precious with people's time. But I think that was a big thing I learned too. It's like, don't suffer in silence. Like there's so many people that don't know what they don't know. And the more that you admit and show that vulnerability, the better it is. Seema, our CEO, we talk about this all the time. She's like, I don't know anything about marketing. I was like, I didn't know anything about how to run a fintech company. And so we're amazing partners in that way and kind of letting your guard down and, and being vulnerable and asking for help. Totally. Vulnerability, man. Like, I don't know. The world would be a different place if everybody <laughs> could find themselves in more and more vulnerable, you know, positions, like just being vulnerable, being comfortable enough. Like, obviously, it you're talking about trust. Like, it takes a lot of trust to feel that. But 
Also, I've had the experience where like, if you can just be the brave one to, you know, being vulnerable and say like, I don't actually know how to do this or like, I want to do this so much better. And I just, I don't think I'm hitting the mark. Like, can you help me? Mm-hmm. Takes everybody else's defenses down as well. And it just like a snowball effect and really cultivates like an even a really, really powerful work environment. And also, my God, can I relate to, you know, how to be a good manager? Just do the opposite <laughs> so many previous managers did and I know I've spoken with so many WIM members about that even I was chatting with somebody just like a few weeks ago and she was like I'm almost like waiting for the shoe to drop where I am because like they're wonderful they're incredible but like I'm so like traumatized a little bit from like these awful people that I've worked with that it's almost too good to be true so I think, oh yes, like, real talk, like there are unfortunately a lot of people who should not be in management mm-hmm. positions. Like I'm sure like perhaps they're talented in their own right. Perhaps they can do all sorts of things and maybe in marketing or whatever the case may be, but like they just shouldn't be managing people, <laughs> so, you know? So true. Um, That's such a good point though. What you said, it's like, you know, there's a lot of people that came from just like terrible situations. And I'm always like, you got to shake off those cobwebs. Like you're right. It's sadly sometimes rare to be like, is this place too good to be true? And it's like, no, no, it is. It is this great. And you just sadly didn't have a good situation. I've been there too much. Totally. <laughs> totally. Oh God. I feel you on that. So I have a feeling that our audience is going to be really interested in just reaching out. You better guys, you better reach out to Colleen. Yes. She's incredible. Um, what is the best way for our audience to reach out and, you know, get in touch? What can we link in our show notes? <laughs> yes. Slip into my DMs on LinkedIn, obviously under Colleen Stoffer. But don't just connect with me. I either want you to, one, give me like a great idea for juice or two, ask me a question. So I won't accept you unless you do one of those things. Um, And then, you know, we're a small and mighty team. So I really hope that you follow us all on Get Juice because hopefully we'll give you either like a great piece of advice to run your business or, you know, if you're an amazing creator, influencer out there, we can definitely feature you, work together. That would be amazing. We're always looking for ambassadors to work with, especially creator educators and, you know, fintech creators. So that's kind of where we're starting now. So find me on LinkedIn, follow us on at Get Juice, and, you know, you can follow me on Instagram too. You'll see my really cute corgi that, thank God, has embarked this entire chat. <laughs> I just want to see your corgi. So you're saying, thank God, I'm sitting here being like, I hope corgi makes an appearance because like, who doesn't love a little corgi? I know. I should, um, I should, I should change my background, swap out my wedding pick and put my corgi in there for my next uh, don't tell your husband (laughs) yeah don't tell your husband (laughs) it'll be the three of you guys maybe it's been such a pleasure having you on thank you so much and I just look forward to seeing you more around whim so thank Thank you you, Colleen thank you thank you and next time I'm in New York I will find you and we'll meet in real life If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. Leave us a review, a rating, but the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. Thanks for listening.
Tune in next week. Tune in next week.